the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The VO Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 77 of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Today, we're talking with voice talent and solopreneur, Dari Alanieves. But before we get to that, it's time for our VO Meter reference levels. VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. All right, so we've got some big news going on. First of all, for the podcast, we've managed to reach 75,000 history downloads. So pretty excited about that because, as you want to say, you didn't expect ah download. Now we're up to <laughs> 75,000, so woohoo! Absolutely. And I want to thank all of our listeners so much because of the support that you've given us over the years. And it's actually led to a new professional opportunity for me. One of our friends and listeners of the podcast, Monique Sake Bagwell, has actually offered me an adjunct professorship at her university for teaching an Art of the Podcast course this spring. So I could not have gotten this opportunity without your guys' support. So thank you so much. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I heard about this from Monique and... I think I actually referred you and said, you should contact Sean. He's, you he's, did, per you he's did. perfect for this. And congratulations, <laughs> man. That's great. No, it's awesome. It's like I've talked about this before, but I love how my, my career path has kind of married my loves of education and voice acting and now podcasting. So I'm really looking forward to it. And, and thank you for Monique for standing by me and being my cheerleader and convincing the rest of the staff at Lander University I was a good fit. So tell me a little bit about what the, the duties involve. Obviously, you're teaching a class, but uh, what can you share about it? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because it's kind of like some of the recorded modules I've done over the years for, for GVA or Rekindle. It's a very kind of hands-off class. There's going to be a lot of pre-recorded content uh, that I distribute to the students. I'll be available for office hours during the week to help them individually if they need it and then at the end of the course they'll just have to have some kind of overarching project that they finish for me likely some kind of podcast recording and then uh and then that's it if they like me they'll keep asking me to do this stuff and hopefully other classes in the future so we'll see how it goes it's all online correct it is all online i don't have to move anywhere they don't have to move anywhere and so like like i said i feel like this is kind of like the perfect evolution of my experience <laughs> as an educator and, and one who's used remote services like Zoom and stuff like that for years now. That's great. This is not this is pretty common for how the online university world looks. I'm not sure how much you've had, you've delved into that, but for officially accredited higher higher uh, learning institutions, this is pretty much how it works. As you know, I used to work for pretty much the biggest company in the world for online education, Laureate Education, mm -hmm. and this is how all of our classes work. They they set up a syllabus. It's mostly self-driven, which is kind of a surprise to a lot of students. So some students, it's not the best environment for them because they don't realize how how much of a self-starter you need to be. But basically, you lay out the syllabus, they do the work, and you're available for questions. And that's pretty much how the online world works, at least in, in the 21st century. 
Awesome. I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I'm well suited for it. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's going to be great. So that's fantastic awesome. on the career front. Um, bit of personal news from me. My hernia is all healed. So I've been Woo-hoo! talking about that for a couple of weeks. I, I had the surgery two weeks ago, two weeks ago yesterday. And they found out it was a double hernia, so that was awesome. They, they, they said that was a possibility that when they go in and look, often there's more than one. When, so once they, they got in there, they found two, and they had consulted me ahead of time and said, if that happens, do you want to have them both done now? And I had a friend who had a horror story where he had said no, and then like six weeks later he had to go back and have the surgery again so i said no just do it i don't care do it all at once you while you're two in there for the price of one yeah it's like when you hire a plumber and he says oh your uh, sewer pipe's broken in addition to your toilet you want to fix it yes you say yes so very apropos talking about piping but yeah they fixed everything up and i'm back to work i did have a couple of a couple of days to a week where i had trouble talking so one thing i want to mention to our listeners or anyone who's a voice actor or aspiring voice actor Make sure you know everything about the procedure. So I didn't know they were going to intubate me. And it's a little bit on me because I should have done more research on the procedure, I guess. But uh, there was no disclosure about intubation specifically. Not from the doctor, not from the anesthesiologist. They asked me things like, do you have any loose teeth or dentures that need to come out? And I didn't really put two and two together as to why. So, of course, my wife is thinking, what did you think they were going to do, dumbass? Why do you think they were asking if you had false teeth? But they didn't actually say the words intubation, which would have set off huge red flags for me. Because as a voice actor, that can cause serious damage, that tube down your throat. I think for the most part, it's long term. So patients who are bedridden or in comas, it's it's an issue. But I kind of woke up from the anesthesia and said, why is my throat so scratchy? And they said, oh, that's a tube down your throat, sweetie. And I was like, what? What did you do to me? (laughs) So not the best way to wake up from a two-hour procedure. But it seems like I'm okay. I went back to... Uh, my announcing gig last night at uh, University of Maryland Volleyball. And I'll play some audio from that, by the way, in a couple minutes. But I went back to that gig last night, screaming at the top of my lungs, and I seem to be okay today. So all's well that ends well. But word of the wise, make sure you know what procedure you're going in for and exactly what it entails. And and like Paul said, it might take some detective work. For example, if they're going to do comprehensive anesthesia and knock you out completely for something like a hernia surgery, very often they do intubate because that's how they like or they they send it to you through through the tube. So, anyways, keep that in mind. We're really glad that you're back, Paul, and and shouting at the top of your lungs. Thank you. So that's my bit of personal news. I understand you might have some as well. Oh, yes. So you guys have heard me talk about my girlfriend, Rachel, on the podcast for years now. And I bet you might have been wondering when he's going to shut up and put a ring on it. Well, I did that last week as of the uh, the day of this recording. So it's October 21st and uh, we proposed on Friday, October 15th. So we had just celebrated our fifth year anniversary earlier that week. So I thought it was a good time to uh, to let her know I was willing to take the relationship to the next level. So I did, and she said yes. <laughs> if yeah, I was going to ask. She said yes, right? Face. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was even even though I wasn't really concerned about her answer, I was still really nervous because <laughs> I wanted it to be like you wanted it to be as perfect as it can, right? So yeah, because it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> And as fully evidence of that, I can say that on the podcast because my wife will never listen to this. <laughs> no, but seriously. Unless she gets an anonymous tip. But anyways. It's fantastic. Um, each day is longer than the previous. No, I mean, each day is more wonderful than the previous. 
I've been married for 18 years, so I'm a, I'm a little uh, more comfortable with uh, you know making comments like that. But you no, it's ways. fine, and and you have to be like. Like, it's good to be realistic that it's not always going to be perfect and rainbows and sunshine and all that stuff. And and I thought very deeply about that. But I'm just like, as I've told a lot of people, I was like, I'll take 98% over a, like <laughs> any day, right? Like, I just, I don't know. I'm, so, Rachel, if you're listening, I love you, honey. Thank you for saying yes. And I can't wait for the rest of our lives together. Aww. <laughs> Half of our audience just swooned. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> He's so cute. It's funny, I came up, I had an exchange with some friends of mine, and my friend's like, ah, oh, that's so gross. I loved every minute of it. I was like, well, I am a hopeless romantic. And then my boss at TVA is like, I like to think of you as a hopeful romantic. I was like, oh, you mean like an optimantic? So that's what we're coming up with. I am an optimantic. Don't be a pessimantic, be an optimantic. Very good. Well, congrats again, and uh, look forward to hearing about all your many happy returns. Thank you very much. So business-wise, what's happening? Anything cool aside from the uh, the teaching gig? Um, well, lots of teaching things. Um, so, like, like I said, we just got the wonderful professorship from Lander University. I've been teaching a VO 101 class for Rekindle School out of Seattle, which is another remote learning class I do. And this one's been great. We've got a nice mix of talent. Um, it's a large class. There's 12 people in it, so I have to be a little bit better about time management. But it's been really good. We, we've covered commercial and animation acting, and I find this all the time. But people tend to, like, it's, it's always two extremes. They always overact or they don't give you enough energy. So I'm just, tr the first couple of weeks are just getting people more comfortable and kind of giving them examples of how big they can go. Right? Because as we've said on the podcast, as many of our guests have said on the podcast, if you can give me an 11, I know you can do 1 through 10. If you give me a 7, I don't know if you can do 8 through 10. So it makes me a little nervous. But <laughs> anyways, but this has all been a really fun story. I mean, a, a really fun class to work with. I've got a lot of motivated students. People have reached out to me during the week with questions and uh, about how to focus their training on in their own time and it's wonderful i love working with motivated people so um so that's happening and then now as of this recording gvaa is also offering a um play to win with voice one two three hosted by natasha marchevka and katherine toll so they were very kind enough to come and do a webinar through gva explaining some of the sort of the optimization for their profiles and the strategies they've developed to do so well on voice one two three and the other online casting sites and uh, they gave us the a plat or we gave them a platform to share it so that's going on today at 5 p.m october 21st and if you miss that it's okay the recording is available for people who want to watch it after the fact or want to watch it again so whether you make it live or watch the recorded thing you can still participate very cool congrats on that and then on top of that, I'm still doing my regular e-learning, corporate narration, and whatever other projects I can find. So it's been a busy couple of weeks. So yeah, so that's been me the last couple of weeks. What have you been up to, Paul? A couple of cool things. We talked last episode, I think, about how I landed the one of the announcing jobs at the University of Maryland, uh, which is a, a Big Ten athletic school. So I'm doing volleyball there, and we've had a couple of matches. I had to sit out. Unfortunately, there was two right in the middle of my surgery. I thought I was going to try and make it, but way too much pain and mm -hmm. i think we talked about how surprising amount of pain just talking so when you have a, a diaphragmatic issue it's tough to uh it's tough to to talk so i had to take a week off but i went back last night and uh i actually have some audio i think it's from a cell phone that somebody took because it's not one of the official um 
cameras I can tell, but it's probably the clearest audio I've heard of one of my calls. So this is right after a point for the Cherubins, the University of Maryland, and uh, take a quick listen. So normally what we do for volleyball is just announce the point, and then I usually like to announce if there is a what's called a kill, where anytime the ball hits the ground from an from a offensive player and the, the defensive team can't finish it. So I announce that, and sometimes blocks, and then usually substitutions. So this is a young lady named Sam Sire, who last night had 20 kills, which is a lot yeah. for any any length of a match. And this is only three sets. They swept the team in three sets. So 20 is, is a lot of kills in, in three sets. So I got kind of excited during that one. That's awesome. How, did, how does that compare to, say, uh, some of the other sports you've announced for? Well, basketball is a lot more involved because you announce assists. You might get real, you might announce the specific kind of shot, so whether it's a dunk or a jump shot or a three-pointer. Football, the same way. You're going to announce the kind of play, whether it's a first down, how many yards. So there's generally more stats involved. Basically, you stack them on top of each other. And volleyball is really quick, so they get the point. Somebody serves, they get another point. You don't have a whole lot of time. So in that respect, volleyball is a little bit easier, but it's also harder to keep up because it is so fast-paced. But it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the gig. Thank you. And then last week, they also hired me to be the wrestling announcer. So that starts next week. I have no idea what that entails, honestly. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even seen a wrestling mat since, since I was in eighth grade. And I have no idea what the scoring is like, but they promised they'd help me get up to speed. And uh, from some of my colleagues that also do wrestling announcing, they say it's a fun thing to do. So I'm excited to be doing two sports for the University of Maryland now. Awesome. Moving on up. <laughs> and a couple other things. Uh, I'm still doing e-learning. I just finished a 15-hour project that took me a lot of time. It was basically wow. every day for about a month. I just finished that project for uh, a GMAT preparation company. So that'll be interesting when that comes out. I'll put, put some links on social media if you can access the, the videos. And what else? A couple of smaller jobs here and there. And then primarily still working with twin flames on author narrator projects so i always have a couple of those going on so that's me right now in in vo world yeah busy all right so that pretty much wraps up our vo meter reference levels we'll be talking with voice talent Dreen nieves in just a few minutes but before that a word from our sponsors hey everyone studio bricks designs and creates the highest performing portable sound isolation booths our professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recordings to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. As a voice talent, you have to have a website. But what a hassle getting someone to do it for you. And when they finally do, they break or don't look right on mobile devices. They're not built for marketing and SEO. They're expensive. You have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. 
You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your costs are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. How many times does this happen to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at GlobalVoiceAcademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Walgreens. Because it's flu season. You live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter Podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Hi, everybody. Our guest today is Dari Allen Nieves. She's an award-winning technical writer, certified UX writer, life coach, podcaster, author, and voice actor in Virginia. Her credits include the CDC, the American Heart Association, Stand Up to Cancer, NBC Universal, 23andMe, Live Nation, Huntington Bank, Walmart, and the Ad Council. She's spoken at VO Atlanta, DC Podfest, Afros and Audio Podcast Festival, the Society for Technical Communication, or STC, Society for Human and Resource Management, or SHRM, and many others. She also enjoys reading, traveling, and jumping into a line dance or two. Find out more about her work at kickinitwithderee.com and dereevoiceover.com. How you doing, Dere? It's great to see you. I'm good. You made me sound so special, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> you wrote it. I just read it. What can I say? <laughs> and read it so eloquently, I might add. I know. Oh, you guys don't get to hear all the flubs because we cut them out. But anyways, <laughs> so... It's great to have you on the podcast, Dorit. Tell us how you got started. Well, um, you know, I actually is sort of kind of by accident. I always thought about voiceover. Like a lot of us think about doing voiceover and maybe don't know what it's called or whatever. But I sort of started in a weird way. I wrote a few books. I was an author first, like in the 2010s. And I was interviewed on a podcast about the book 
I think it was 2012. And the host said, oh, I love your voice. I want you to do my intro and my outro for this show. Um, and I really had no idea that you could get paid to do that. And I didn't think much of it. Like, even to this day, I haven't done any podcast intros and outros. And I've been podcasting for a long time. But he asked me to do it. I did it for free. Didn't know it was a thing. And send it to him. And then later on, um, I actually at that time became friends with Gerald Griffith. Um, he's the executive director for VO Atlanta, but at the time he was not because he wasn't doing anything with voiceover back then. I actually met him at a Toastmasters meeting um, and we were both members of that meeting for a few years. And so he ended up doing my author slash speaker website for me. And then when he started uh, the voiceover meetups that eventually became VO Atlanta, we talked about it and I was like, okay, maybe, you know, this is something that I'm interested in, but I'm busy like doing these other things. I was, I think getting my life coach certification and other stuff. And I just kind of like to focus on one thing at a time. So if you fast forward about four years, um, I went to this conference called Podcast Movement, and it's a pretty big podcast conference now. But back then, I think it was like maybe the second or third year. It wasn't super popular back then. And I went to a session with Carrie Olson. And at the time, she was, I think, pregnant with her first child. And she was presenting a session about voiceover. And I'm like, oh, this is real. like she was actually like giving the nitty gritty about how you can get started in it. And I'm like, wow, like I was fascinated. But then I went home and I didn't do anything about it then. And then you fast forward like another year and um, I was watching a true crime show called Fatal Attraction. And the narrator of the show at that time and to present day is a voice actor named Malika Millette. Her tone um, is similar to mine. It's mostly the, the cases that they do on that show are mostly African-American. She's African-American. I could kind of hear it in her voice. And I said, wow, her tone is very similar to mine. Um, maybe I can do this thing. And that's when I really, you know, kind of went back to Gerald and started with the VO Atlanta. So that's my kind of roundabout way of how I like kind of touched on it a little bit and then really got into it later. Wow. Sounds like a lot of our stories. There's, there's almost nobody I talked to in VO that says, yeah, I, I wanted to do this my entire life. I got my first audition and got an agent the next day. It never works out that way, does it? <laughs> no. So, so tell us, what were some of your challenges early on? Oh, well, Sean knows uh, about this firsthand. I was really just trying to get comfortable with myself. I think most of us struggle in the beginning with various things, one of them being getting used to hearing the sound of your own voice, right? Um, nobody tends to say, like hearing their voice play back and say, oh yeah, I sound great ever. Um, so I was trying to get comfortable with that. And then when I started doing workouts with GVAA, you know, hearing Dave Rosenthal in my head telling me to smile and all the people on the Zoom looking at me and I'm like, okay, like, stop looking at me. Like, <laughs> I feel self-conscious, right? But the smiling actually works. So Dave, if you're listening, I get it now. I've been doing great ever since I've been smiling, but it, it helps that no one's looking at me when I'm doing it. And um, if I back up even a little bit further uh, before that, I ended up getting an evaluation from another company to GVAA, which I will not name. I have named them before, but I won't name them. And I actually allowed myself to be discouraged by some of the feedback that I got from that evaluation. There were a couple of coaches who specifically told me like, 
yeah, you could probably do voiceover, but you really don't have a commercial sound. And you know, the traditional advice that we get when we start is you're going to start, if you are going to do VO, you're going to start with a commercial demo. That's like the way that it usually is. And they're like, eh, you're not commercial. You can't do commercials. And I'm just like, oh, wow. And it wasn't like I necessarily had dreams of doing big commercials per se when I first got into this. My thing is more about narration, but to be told like, this is like not your lane at all and you you can't do this, that's kind of discouraging. And even if I didn't necessarily want to pursue that like, you know, full force. So I didn't start with a commercial demo and I actually went for a while like letting that voice stay in my head, telling me like, you're not cut out for commercials. And that's actually a lie. I do lots of commercials now. It's like kind of incredible when I think about it, but I had to like kind of switch, switch my mindset and learn techniques, of course, and not allow those voices to stay in my head. But it took a while, you know. Sometimes now I will struggle with things like maybe reading a little too fast or controlling my breath. I also sometimes won't try new things. So like you think about different genres you want to do or different like you know, aspects of certain genres. So for commercials, I think I do okay with most of them, especially when it comes to real person reads. But when it comes to something, say like uh, spoken word, or poetry, slam poetry, I would think that I'd be able to do okay with that, but not really. Even if I try to mimic, you know, um, a YouTube reference or something, I, I'm not, that's something that I would have to work at. So sometimes I won't try new things even when the opportunities are there. But I think all of us, whether we call ourselves newbies or working pros, we all have something that we're working on. So, you know, we're never done learning. We're never done. Hopefully we're never done improving ourselves or trying to improve ourselves. So the bottom line that I would say here is you take any advice that you get um, from people that are more experienced with you, take it with a grain of salt, you know, consider the source, follow your heart and do the work and you will be successful. It's kind Absolutely. of a double-edged sword I, though, isn't it though? Because while on the one hand, while you were, you were just probably discouraged by that advice you got from that, from that company, they weren't trying to steal your money. They didn't try to force you into a commercial, de a commercial demo just because they wanted to collect the, the Benjamin. So it's kind of, it shows that they had integrity on that end. And sometimes maybe that was the motivation you needed to actually work harder and get to a point where you could land commercial jobs. I know that's been the case for me in certain genres where I've also been told you shouldn't do this and it just made me want to work harder and eventually I have done all those things. So maybe it was motivation and, and a blessing in disguise, as they say. Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, it's funny. At first, they wouldn't do a commercial demo with me. And then I got with another coach a couple years later. And she was like, oh, bull, you know, you can do it. <laughs> and so the company did end up taking my money for a commercial <laughs> demo later. But initially, it wasn't that. And I and I did well with just the narration, you know. Um, a lot of people want to kind of, you know, emulate specific genres like commercials and animation and things because those things are more lucrative. They're more fun or whatever. But I think that narration has its place and other genres have their place and that, you know, you don't have to kind of, you know, downplay one to do another. But yeah, I think that um, you're right. I definitely had to kind of step up my game and kind of improve some of my weaknesses there. Brilliant. Well, we're glad you stuck with it because we definitely didn't want you to stop. So, <laughs> and, and Dari briefly mentioned it, but she actually started with the GVA membership when at its inception. So it's like she was one of our very first members and it was really cool to kind of see how far you've come and, and kind of really taken ownership of your own career. It's just awesome. 
I didn't know that you guys had just started around that time. That literally that that I was the first you. year of the membership. <laughs> like we had been around wow. for a while, but um, I think it was like two or three years into uh, GVA's founding, we actually added that as a new service as a way to try to reach out to more talent. Well, I am very happy to be one of the pioneers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they call that a charter member in most membership organizations. That's awesome. Yes, she's a founding member. But uh, that's <laughs> wonderful. So you kind of touched on it in your last response, but I kind of want to go a little bit deeper. Tell us more about what your favorite genres to work in are, maybe why, and what genres you haven't done that you'd like to try more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, I enjoy commercials. I do best with the real person read. But my favorite, of course, is narration. And you know, there's very, um, ver- various aspects of narration that you can do: explainers, e-learning, corporate, uh, TV narration. The thing that I would want, I want to do the most, which is the like I alluded to this when I, you know, answered the first question. The main reason I got into this was to do TV and show narration. So again, when I heard Malika, you know, on that show, um, and I'm, I'm kind of amped up right now because I actually just came back from the weekend. I went to a true crime conference. And so I was there like, you know, talking to people that do documentaries and stuff. And I'm like, listen, you know, I'm a narrator. Da, 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 da. And they're like, oh, wow, you know, we don't have any female narrators. And I'm like, boom, I'm in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what I would love to be able to do. I've actually done some spec work for home improvement shows and things like that, but haven't done anything that's actually like aired as far as, you know, biographies, you know, nature shows, uh, true crime, um, anything that would be on maybe Discovery or Nat Geo, something like that, HGTV. So that is what I would love to do. If I could do that, I know it's maybe not as lucrative as some of the other genres that we've talked about, but that would be my dream. I hear you. And in fact, HGTV has always been one of my dreams as well, mostly so I can just impress my wife because she watches that all day, every day, <laughs> maybe someday. So you also host a podcast, as we talked about in the intro, as well as doing VO. Tell us about your podcast and how that started. Well, when I, uh, 2015 is when I actually started researching podcasting. I actually listened to shows about how to podcast, just like people listen to shows like yours to learn about VO whether they already do it or not. So Kicking It With Doree started in 2015 after, um, no, a couple months before um, I earned my life coaching certification. And I said to myself, I want to be considered a resource. I want to use my podcast to be able to be a thought leader and to be able to help people and coach them and blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't doing VO back then. So I sort of also used the podcast as a way to see do I really like, you know, being in a room talking to myself and, you know, can I get over this whole thing with my voice and 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 things like that? I think it's really cool if you aren't doing voiceover yet. Podcasting is a great way to kind of start to get used to it. You have to get, you know, very similar equipment and, and learn how to do, you know, work with DAWs, you know, editing your own audio and things like that, unless you hire someone. So I think it is a great segue, but that is why I started the podcast. And eventually maybe like a year ago is when I really started to incorporate more voiceover topics, but by and large, it's really a personal development podcast. And uh, I started it six years ago. Um, wow. So 
there's people that started before me, but a lot of people are like, wow, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I love it. And I actually have another podcast with my sister that I do where we talk about a lot of pop culture stuff. It's, it's very different from the other one. One, I'm more buttoned up than the other, but I just think it's fun to be able to, you know, share things. It's a great way to, you know, do content marketing and, and become well-known as a thought leader in whatever your subject matter is. That's why I started it. And that's what I do. I hear you on the practicing that we very much used this the same way, I think, when we first started. Not that we weren't already working. Sean was working a little bit more than I was at that point, but it definitely helped us to sharpen our skills for all the other things we do and totally appreciative of the, of the ability to do that over the years. Certainly the technical aspects and the production, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So kind of switching gears a little bit, Dari, there's been a lot of talk in VO within the last couple of years about diversity and representation and casting. How has this conversation helped or hurt the business in general, or maybe even your business specifically? Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, uh, myself and many of my um, African-American colleagues that I've spoken with have found that since um, the whole thing with uh, the George Floyd murder and the riots of um, that occurred a year ago, that our businesses have really flourished like exponentially. It seems like there's more people of color in demand. Um, at least I can speak for African-American voice actors in particular. And I think that conversations definitely help with is with any subject, having conversations. We don't always come to solutions. We don't always get, you know, 100% agreement on things. We'll, we'll continue to debate, but I hope that it would be something that is productive and that's something that will not continue to be divisive, but to kind of encourage more understanding and awareness amongst people. It, it brings awareness to what my people have always known, but there are will, there will continue to be people that just believe that, you know, doesn't really matter. Voice acting is just acting, doesn't matter who does it, which I totally don't agree with. And if I could, I'd like to share a few thoughts about things that I think would help our industry develop more inclusivity. Yes, please. These thoughts um, and suggestions that I'm going to share are just those of myself, I'll say, and many of my colleagues, but I do not speak for all Black voice actors, just so you know. So one thing I can say is when it comes to specs, okay, like the, the instructions that come with auditions, I think that people in casting may do well to avoid the use of code words. And what I mean are certain kinds of descriptors um, that are very thinly veiled, you know, everything basically but saying ghetto. So like words like sassy or street, diva, urban. Um, Sometimes people will have um, on, you know, pay to play sites or other things, descriptors about accents. And I don't consider urban to be an accent. Um, You can't have a black accent because we're not a monolith. We don't all sound the same. You can't have an accent called urban. Urban means that, you know, it's a particular point in a city or a metropolitan area. You know, that's what it means. It doesn't mean what they're trying to make it mean. You can't talk white or talk black. It's perfectly okay, I think, to ask for actors in your specs who match the demographic of the audience that you're targeting. I mean, that's basic marketing 101. Like, how do we find the people that we want to buy this product and how do we cater our message and, you know, everything that they see, if, it, if it's not a radio ad, to that market? 
So that makes sense to me. That's one suggestion. Okay. Um, Wait, can we take them one at a time? Mind, I just yeah, I want to like add something a, too. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, such a simple solution. Like if you have a target audience and want to hire someone from their demographic, say that. Just don't make assumptions about the way that person sounds. Okay, mm-hmm. so I want to ask right. what what in your mind would be an acceptable way to present that. So let's say you want to target eighteen to twenty five year old um, black youth in New York. How would you how would you spec that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you're a marketing person, I'm a writer, but I'm not necessarily a copywriter. But I would say from a marketing aspect, I would look at what is trending with that age group and that demographic. Who are, you know, the singers, rappers, celebrities, influencers that they look up to and that they follow? Oh, okay. um, you know, where are they spending their money? What kind of clothing are they buying? Makeup, jewelry, music? What What are they into? Right. And then you cater, you know, we see this all the time. You cater those specs with different references, celebrity references. Maybe, you know, for me, I will get something like, we want you to sound like, you know, um, you know, Viola Davis or, or Maya Rudolph or, you know, Issa Rae or someone like that. Like whoever that hot person is at the time or, you know, relevant to what this is. So use a celebrity reference and it'll be super obvious what you, what you want from us. Okay. Um, and that's, that's with anybody because I mean, it's not, that's not just like a black thing. That's like celebrity references are just like a thing. So that's, that's the way that I would go about it without using all those code words. The other thing, this, this is even more important than this um, spec description that I'm, that I'm giving. I think that we need more diversity in casting, behind the scenes, um, with creative, with the copywriters and so on. It's sorely lacking. And there's plenty of, of talent to go around that are, that are people of color. I think when it comes to casting directors and copywriters, for example, it really behooves you know, ad agencies to recruit folks who are part of the culture that you're marketing to. I have um, a really, really close friend of mine in this business who um, did a major ad for a major company that I won't mention, and it was specific she was told this is specifically targeted for African-American women. And then they had a line in there that was like so blatantly like offensive. She's like, there's no way that I can say this and still be credible. <laughs> like you like, but it's not her job to, you know, rewrite the script. It's her job to, to read it and to act it out. But she was very conflicted about this. You know, she actually called me. I was on vacation. She's like, listen, Dari, I, I, what would you do? Like, should I say something like it? It really like it, it it really gets to us because it's like a um a conundrum like do we speak up well, what is going to be the response and there's no one on the team that's a person of any color there's no asians on the team there's no um you know people from india there's no hispanics there's no there's no people of color whatsoever on that team and they're targeting african-american women so it's kind of like and they're like okay well will you help us they she they actually received it well and they were like well will you help us can you help us you know reword it what should we say and now it's getting into wait a minute though i want to help you do the creative correctly but like maybe i should charge extra because now i'm a consultant i'm not just a voice actor i'm a consultant now Mm -hmm. and really this is something that you you know as the marketing team as the creative team you guys need to figure that out you know what i mean like it's not up to me to give you guys suggestions i mean i could if you want to pay me more but that was my position but you know ultimately she was able to handle it and get through it and i think they also had uh, a focus group of some sort 
to, you know, kind of also bounce things off of because, you know, this business is very subjective. So it is possible that she could have read the line and been offended and no one else was. But we have like a little mastermind group. There's like five or six of us. And she talked to all of us about this line. And all of us were like, oh, no. I wouldn't read that line either. That line has got to go. It was just one line, but it made the difference when they took it out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you really need to have producers, copywriters, directors, casting people that are at least one, at least one. You could find somebody. Don't say that there's no one in that group that's available to do. That, that is a lie. There are multi-talented people of every color and creed out there. Just get somebody, even if you just want to hire them just for that project, to help you out with the wording, because it really does matter. Because if it's offensive to all of us, what happens when it goes out into the marketplace and there's you know thousands and millions of people that hear it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially in America. I mean, you can literally find anyone from any ethnic background and or language in the contiguous U.S., I'm sure. Yeah, that's how you achieve authenticity and realness in your product and your campaigns by including the people that you're addressing. Yeah, it ha it can't just be the end product. It has to be at all stages of production. So moving on, Dury, what challenges have you had as a woman of color in the entertainment business? Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard some of this stuff before, but I know for me personally, I will sometimes get direction or feedback about my performance as we all do but it asked me to you know using some of those code words that i mentioned that you shouldn't use you know be more sassy you know why don't you sound more black i've had actually had like email feedback saying the client would like you to say this word like mm-hmm or Mm, like like as if i'm you know like moving my neck and having an attitude it's just like okay like I, I don't know. I don't really know how they should say that, but it just it just didn't feel good when I read it. And I, I wrote back and I was like, uh, could you be more specific? Because it, it had been a while since I had submitted the first voiceover and I thought everything was fine. And they came back with that one line. But I mean, what does that mean? It's a subjective business. You know, it's sometimes difficult for people to articulate what they want to hear from you and match, you know, what they're envisioning, what they're hearing in their head. But what I like to say, again, going back to the whole thing I mentioned about, you know, we don't have to, there's no such thing as sounding black or talking black or talking white. It's okay if a person, you know, if you see the person's picture on a website or a pay to play site or something, it's okay if we look differently from how we sound, you know, in your eyes. Maybe you think that a person that looks like me should sound a certain way, or this is what you want something to sound like, but you know, we're all different. We're not a monolith. You know, um, we don't want to do caricatures or, you know, derogatory or demeaning versions of our culture. And, and that goes for anybody. I would dare say that even people that are not black probably don't want to get paid or not to perform caricatures or derogatory versions of their culture. I think, again, it's much better to give a character or a celebrity reference um, as an example of the style that you want to hear. There are many, many of us out here. You know, we have our home studios. We're trained. We're talented. We're available to do the work. So even if my voice isn't what you need, not what you're looking for, I know a whole plethora of people that, you know, I can refer you to. You know what I mean? So, again, just d don't say that 
you know, you can't find someone to represent that, um, you know, and speaking of the people refer to, you know, refer to, one of the things that's really helped provide a great deal of support is the African-American Voice Actors Database, the American Voice Actors Facebook group. Um, and these are, um, you know, put on by Brian Howard. It's a database literally that you can find lots of profiles, just like a casting site. Um, that's where I recommend that you would check for African-American voiceovers first. And, you know, that's really all I'm going to say about that because I feel like I've been on the subject for a while. <laughs> but I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I think that it is important to just kind of consider that, you know, we're not a monolith and we don't want to perform uh, demeaning versions of our culture. And I thank you both for asking this question. Of course. So if you're listening out there, producers or anyone in a creative business, stop relying on the stereotypes of yesteryear. Treat everyone as individuals. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So you've you've been so generous with with your knowledge and the resources that you've been offering. But um, our show does have a lot of listeners new to the business. What would you suggest to someone just starting out? Oh, I've got a list for you here too, Sean. Oh, great! I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, know, okay? I'm a writer. I can't help it. This is this is what I do. Okay. So, and and some of you have heard these things before. So maybe you might want to consider some of these as a refresher. But first thing I would say is listen to different kinds of voiceover. Listen to the kinds of voiceover that you think you want to do. Transcribe a piece or two. Mimic the technique of the voice actor you hear. And then play around and put your own spin on it. Another thing you can do, of course, is to practice and get coaching because it's one thing to practice by yourself and not have any feedback. You could be practicing wrong. So you definitely want to get with someone that's more experienced and that is successful in the genre that you wish to be successful in. Um, You want to look at the folks who have careers that you want to emulate, that you admire and see what they did. You also want to consider this um, when we talk about auditions and you know there's a, sometimes there's a lot of disappointment sometimes people refer to it as rejection but I always say that it's not necessarily that you were rejected it's just that you weren't selected and there actually is a huge difference with that mentality in saying to yourself that I wasn't rejected for this spot or this role I just wasn't selected you know if you think about competition I think that the healthiest way to look at competition is competing with yourself. Like, how can I improve? What What did my audition sound like six months ago, a year ago, three years ago? And am I improving? Do I sound better? Am I booking more? You know, I think it's great to have some kind of CRM or spreadsheet where you are keeping tabs on, you know, the jobs that you book and, you know, the roles that you book and the auditions that you do and check the statistics, do a little math and see how you're progressing. If you're not progressing the way you want to, then maybe you want to hire a coach for that or a mentor. I just think we need to strive to improve our own performance, whether than kind of looking at uh, necessarily who booked the spot or the gig and saying, oh, well, you know, I sounded better than that. I don't know why they picked them. You know what I mean? And maybe you really do feel that way. I'm not saying that that's totally wrong, but don't get bogged down and depressed about it. Again, as I mentioned earlier about podcasts, listen to podcasts about like just like VO Meter about the business of VO and other free content. You don't want to just only listen to voiceover podcasts, but you want to, you know, learn from people in diverse areas. Maybe your main thing is animation and that's what you want to do. Go ahead and listen to something about corporate narration. 
there might be a little nugget in there that you can slip in there for your animation. I don't know. But I think that, you know, having that one track mind sometimes can hurt you. I think sometimes it's good to boost your creativity by going outside of the box a little bit sometimes. So definitely, definitely learn from free content as well as, you know, getting that paid coaching, that one-on-one or group coaching. I am a person that does not do voiceover full-time. As you heard, like I have 12 titles. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I do a lot of things, but I think it's okay to allow yourself to juggle VO with other kinds of work. It informs you, like uh, Paul was saying earlier that most people don't just, you know, come into VO and they just start doing that from the time they leave high school. There are a couple, but most of us don't. And so it's like, use the other experiences and the work that you have to inform, you know, those roles that you play and the, you know, work that you do with the VO. Cause my bio was full of stuff that has nothing to do with VO, you know? And then when you started to incorporate all these things, prepare to do the work. You're an entrepreneur, um, unless you have, you know, assistance and you may not have assistance in the beginning. I still don't, but, prepare to do the work, prepare to balance your time, especially if you're like me and you have multiple jobs. And then my last tip is to have fun because VO is fun. Wow. What a, what a font of information you are, Andrea. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. No. And she made lists guys. It's wonderful. So, but, but I love that so much, especially your note about like kind of branching out to genres that you might be less interested in or more even intimidated by, because nowadays with, with all of the content that's out there, I'm thinking particularly instructional e-learning stuff. It's really a, like there's so much genre fusion that's out there. Everything is being gamified and all of these, all the corporate trainings, even there's a level of animation and commercial styles that are being incorporated to what we thought was very dry, uninteresting deliveries. So definitely expand outward. And like I said, don't, don't put all your eggs into one genre, even if it's one that you're extremely passionate about. Nice Mm -hmm. one, Biff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you just uh, Biff Tannen from Back to the Future, that um, that uh, metaphor. <laughs> oh, but anyway, Dorea, it's been a pleasure to have you today. Thanks for being on the podcast. Where can folks find out more about you if they want to work with you or hire you? Sure. They can go to DereeVoiceOver.com if they want to hire me for VO. I have all my demos there at the top. You don't even have to scroll. They're all above the fold. And if you want to listen to my podcast, you can go to KickingItWithDeree.com. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, guys. All right. So thanks to Dari. Uh, that was a fantastic interview. I apologize for the delay in getting it out, but we were just so busy with all the uh, all the personal work we had going on and then all the conferences we were also honored to be part of. So thanks to Dari for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dari. It's wonderful getting to know you better. I actually met her in person at VO Atlanta several years ago, and then she quickly became a member of the GVA membership program. So it's amazing to see just how far you've come in not just your your voice acting career, but all of your creative pursuits. Yeah, and speaking of conferences, we are back as the Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver Conference, or MAVO, official podcast partners. So that's coming up on November 12th, 13th, and 14th. And we'll be getting you lots of content, both before the show with some of the speakers and presenters, and then during the show with some live audio. Cannot wait. We've got some excellent presenters coming there, and the keynote is actually video game veteran Jennifer Hale. So I'm excited about her alone, let alone all the other great guests. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. 
We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. 